11. Self-image. The popular image of a people changes from time to time in its history. For example, the Germans prior to Bismarck were regarded as a light-hearted and happy people, much given to beer and dancing. At the same time, the French for some generations, from well before Louis XIV through Napoleon, were seen as a grim and militaristic people. This image changed under Louis-Napoleon Bonaparte, quote, gay Paris, unquote, and the romantic Frenchman now began to dominate popular thinking. But this is not all. A people's self-image alters with time. How we as individuals see ourselves changes from childhood to old age. So too does a national self-image change. All this was also true of the American Indians. The different tribes had very different views about themselves and about one another. In the late 1940s, I met a Midwestern Indian who assumed that I was an Indian and confided how Nevada Indians were low class. Traveling by automobile through Nevada, he had seen drunken Indians on the streets and viewed them with contempt. Indians' self-image has varied over the generations. Something totally lacking in the older Indians was becoming more extensive. Too many Indians have come to see themselves, with self-pity, as victims. In this, they manifest very clearly that they are moderns and Americans, because modern man and our very richly privileged Americans as well see themselves as victims. The university student is prone to this vice no less than the black slum dwellers. Hispanics are absorbing this doctrine, as are feminists and homosexuals. Jews, Latin Americans, Canadians, Africans, Asiatics, various European peoples, and Pacific Islanders are learning this new faith. They are victims. All individuals and groups seek, in one way or another, to answer the questions, What am I? Who am I? And what explains my being and existence? The sound answer to these questions is to identify ourselves, above all else, religiously. I am a child of God by his sovereign grace. Then, I am a member of a family. Finally, I have a specific calling or vocation under God. Failure to answer this, first of all, in terms of God in Christ, means an inability to give ourselves a viable identification and place. The Indian tribes have in many cases not yet become Christians more than marginally. The result is a rootlessness, which aggravates the fact that theirs is a broken culture. Attempts to revive it are pathetic and futile. This leaves the Indians seriously bereft. The same is increasingly true of white Americans. Their European origins are now increasingly remote and alien to them, and their rejection of Christianity and Christendom means a separation from their own past. All attempts, then, to re-establish roots are exotic and superficial. It would be absurd to require or urge those of English ancestry to dress in the style of 620 or 1700, or to require Scots in the United States to wear kilts. It is no less absurd to expect Indians to return to the ways of their past. Such expectations have truly harmed the Indian. If the Indian is a museum piece, he is not a functioning member of society. We can preserve a virgin redwood forest here and there to give people today and in years to come a view of the American past. We do not have the right to do this to the Indian tribes, or to treat them as though their only place in our world is as a bit of tourism color. We do Indians no good to prettify their history a la Rousseau. It is an injustice. It is also an injustice to view them en masse rather than individually, in terms of their abilities and performances. We do this because we have an established image of what an Indian is. The Indian sees white men with a similar lens. A very likable and intelligent Indian, John Paradise, not a Christian, spent some time in my home trying to understand the Taibo, the white man. He subscribed to a news magazine and a daily paper, and he enjoyed reading. To him, the Taibos were a single entity. How was it then, he wondered, that I acted one way and the Indian agency men another, and the town dwellers in Nevada and Idaho yet another? How could they, as Christians, behave as they did? 
John knew the Bible. Was there some other book which provided a rationale for their behavior? Throughout our discussions and until the end of his visit, he assumed that all Tybos were a homogenized unit. He assumed that Christianity was the common religion of all because they were all born into Tybo life. Are all Shoshones the same? I asked him. Are all Paiutes identical? It was with difficulty that he finally grasped the fact that Christianity is not a racial faith, but an international one. He found this a startling idea, and thanked me earnestly for explaining it. I told him also that an early name for Christians was, quote, the third race, unquote. I picked up this theme as I spoke to various Indian groups. I cited the spread of Christianity into various places, including Africa. There was a curious reaction to this. Some, out of respect for me, told me it is a mistake to convert Negroes. To do so would discredit Christianity to Indians because Negroes were, in their eyes, quote, unworthy, unquote, of inclusion. This gave me an opportunity to stress the meaning of God's grace to all peoples. I cited the savagery, human sacrifice, and other evils which had once marked northern European peoples, and I went on to show the advances which Christianity produced. The older generations had received some Christian instruction at school. As a result, they had a sense of history that their grandchildren lacked. To a surprising degree, they had absorbed Old Testament history into their own way of thinking, and they regarded Genesis 1-11 through as university history with echoes of it in their legends. I did not know any of the older Indians who did not believe in the Genesis account in some fashion. These older people usually had a robust sense of humor. They laughed readily and relished a good story. The Armenian stories of Nazar Eden, Nazreddin, the stupid Turk, a very wise Turk in the Turkish version, they listened to with delight. I do not mean that all their talk or humor was innocent. Much was simply lewd. But self-pity was lacking, and the notion of being victims was absent from virtually all. I am told that in recent years, Owyhee has had a very high suicide rate. Self-pity is closely associated with suicide. White American youth also has had a very high suicide rate, and for the same reason. If we see ourselves as victims, self-pity will overwhelm us.